G'day, folks. Holy wow, it is the fifth birthday of Age of Sigma. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Age of Sigma. Happy birthday to you. G'day, folks. How are we all? You didn't tell me there was going to be a little five candle on the cake. You said cake. I should have known candles, but I didn't know it would be a little five. <laughs> it is not an Australian birthday without a Coles or Woolworth, uh, Woolworths uh, mud cake, uh, caramel mud cake or mid, mint mud cake, uh, if you are very lucky. But it is myself, the coach. How are we all? You are. We are joined with Clint. Clint uh, probably is a man who needs no introduction. He is a man who joined us right at the start of Age of Sigma, has led the charge when it comes to tournaments and grown, helped grow the community. Obviously, it's not just Clint. There's so many people who have helped grow this community. And I thought, what better way to celebrate the birth and creation and celebrate the five years of Age of Sigma than the man who's been a part of it since day one? Clint, get a. Howdy. How howdy everyone. I hope you're all fine and dandy on this wonderful fifth birthday of Age of Sigma. And good day to everyone in the chat. Um, I will shout you guys out very soon. We have a whole bunch of photos with a whole bunch of stories. I've got a secret little quiz that you guys can get involved with as well. So I'm going to ask Clint a bunch of questions from Age of Sigma that I'm going to be curious to see if he remembers or if it's true or if it's false. We're going to bring up some of our highlights. We're going to bring up some of the rules that you may not even know about. Um, wow, this game has been an absolute ride and People who joined us late don't know what of a treat they've, they've missed. So, um, Clint, a quick introduction, just in case anyone who doesn't know who you are, who are you, mate? Uh, I'm Clint. I am the TO of the Age of Sigma event at CanCon, uh, the largest single-player event in the world for Age of Sigma. Uh, also host of the Heralds of War podcast, currently on a little bit of a break, um, but we were sort of Australia's first dedicated age of sigma podcast as well so yeah been been in the australian scene for a very you know for pretty much since the beginning for age of sigma so it's awesome that we're now at the the fifth anniversary the fifth birthday it's great it is the fifth birthday so for anyone who joined us late uh, or may not have joined us right at the start or maybe you join us on the podcast later um age of sigma very first came out on the 4th of july 2015 this was the day that um you could walk into your games workshop and you could purchase or pre-order uh the box set of uh it was stormcast vs corn the very first box set um People didn't know what they were getting into. Um, a bit of backstory, and Clint, again, you are a Warhammer Fantasy player as well. So you and I have come from way back. We were a part of the journey playing in the, the regular editions of the mass battle that was Warhammer Fantasy Battles. You were a death player. I was an empire player. We were a part of this journey, and um, for anyone who doesn't know, there was this, this series of books called The End Times. Um, Clint, do you want to give me a bit of a rundown of, of your perception of the of the end times and how this kind of led to the Age of Sigma? Well, I remember um, the very first end times book was Nagash, and we were all very excited because Nagash had been previewed, and oh, that's good. And then the book that came with him was End Times, and we're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And uh, within the first sort of half of that book, characters we had known and loved for so long had died properly. And we're like, okay, this is something serious. And, uh, you know, over the course of five books, uh, we saw that the history of the elves 
come to a conclusion. We saw the Skaven finally defeat the Lizardmen and, and Arkowen win. And there was this period of time there where we had the, finished the Arkowen book and we all just went, ooh, what is going to happen now? And, you know, there have been lots of... Uh, Lots of history and things, and people were invested in this game, and we just weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, it, was, it was a very interesting time. Um, some people worried, some people uh, weren't so much. Um, but I just remember those End Times books being really awesome. I remember buying Archaeon and reading it in a day. I just just just, just bought it, got home, sat down, smashed through it, and went, uh oh. <laughs> It was an interesting time. So, you know, mm. uh, I, I was playing Age of Sigma, Age of Sigma, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. That's how ingrained I am now. Um, I was playing Warhammer Fantasy Battles from the late 90s, you know, early mid to late 90s. I got introduced and obviously we played all the other games, you know, Necromunda and, and Warhammer Quest and all that good stuff that I was playing since that third edition, second edition almost. Um, and there was this whole time where for something like 20 years that I've been playing, there was this concept of five minutes to midnight that you may or may not have heard uh, game producers talk about, which is basically the, the world was on the cusp of either being destroyed or, you know, savior. And for 20 to 30 years, this game has real the, the Warhammer Fantasy Battles game was almost like stagnated that, you know, while there were some new armies that got produced, you know, the Tomb Kings came out, you know, there was a whole bunch of new armies that came in. You know, the, the setting didn't really move. It was very stagnate. And there was this thing called the Age of Sigma, where essentially, the Age of Sigma, far out. Um, in August um, 2014, there was uh, the first book, as you said, there was the release of this book called The End Times, which was, you know, we, we'd been through a campaign like this before. I think it was the Storm, Storm of Chaos. Storm of Chaos that they sort of walked back from uh, the result of. So when I think the first couple of End Times books came out, and they started making these changes. People were like, oh, okay, it's this again. It's Storm of Chaos part, you know, redone. Um, but they actually meant it this time. <laughs> well, they retconned it, right? Like we, mm. we ha basically we had. Um, if you were in the the early kind of um, Age of Sigma, we had a similar campaign called um, the Seasons of War. Basically, it was a global campaign that um, we as players would contribute to, and basically ultimately determine based on our results who would win and what, what that impact would be on the story. And from memory, and maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, Chaos had won that. Did they win the, did they win the Storm Chaos, or did we push them back? Uh, Storm of Chaos, uh, Grimgore won. Right. Oh, I had Budding Archeon. Um <laughs> And that was, that was meant to push back Chaos, right? Because that was like, they were doing this massive infiltration, you know, they attacked his lab. Basically, long story short, um, there was this, basically this, this destruction of the old world because Chaos was absolutely going to take it over, and it, it didn't end up happening. And then this, this um, end times came, and it destroyed the world. Um, when it destroyed the old world, where were you at? Like, what was what were your initial thoughts? Because we will get to Age of Sigma very soon, but I want to take people on a journey on if you weren't here from the start, this is the journey that some players had kind of had to, to go across because the game that you are enjoying today isn't the game that we all got on the 4th of July, 2015. No, it definitely wasn't. Uh, so as the end times coming out sort of in that late 2014, I was planning a massive empire project that had a small force from every province that was themed to the what the province was known for so Avaland, lots of horses 
Minheim, you had the Tudigen Garden, stuff like that. And then as the End Times books came out, that army shrank as the provinces of the Empire <laughs> got destroyed. Uh, so it was a bit interesting. Um, yeah, I suppose because Death did so well out of the End Times, you got Nagash, you got the amazing you know Spirit Host models and the Mortarks and things like that. I think I was kind of insulated from it a little bit and and manfred one um so you know i think i had that um but i'd also kind of was invested in the empire as well and so i, I had very mixed feelings about it i often joked that my favorite character is manfred von karstein and uh, my second favorite character from fantasy was balthazar gelt uh and so my favorite killed my second favorite in sort of the 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 end times and i just didn't quite know how to feel about that so um hmm. And by the way, if anyone is wondering why my beard is looking a little bit different, uh, I am embracing my inner Carl uh, Franz slash uh, Sigma, and I've got my Galmaraz, my life-size Galmaraz, and you can go check out Sigma because he has this wicked beard with a little plait. That My beard's not long enough, but uh, I thought I would get into the spirit of the game and uh, make a whole mess and a whole bunch of sounds on the show as it is. But... This is my story. Uh, in June 2015, I re I didn't realize at the time that I was playing my last uh, fantasy battle game. It was The Empire versus Death. It was Deke's Vampire Counts, which was a fascinating game, right? And long story short, when The Age of Sigmar very first came out, I bought the box set. I bought the Liberators. I bought the corn. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew I was going to be a part of that journey. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, it was an interesting time. It was really a Wild West. Um, when I think about what it was like playing in the early days of Age of Sigma, there was no points. Now, take that as it is, good or bad. Um, there were some really interesting ways that people were creating the game. The shackles were broken. Uh, people were creating fun narrative events, but at the same time at events, you were having completely unbalanced games. I remember my very first game, I was actually playing at a, uh, a games workshop store and the rules that they try to create for, for the comp was basically you take one battalion and plus one war scroll. So you fill, fulfill the battalion and one war scroll. So at the time, I took this. So being an Empire player or what is now a Cities of Sigma, I played this, which was a Griffin, a uh, general on Griffin. It was three units of uh, handgunners, uh, hand crossbowmen, troops, archers, and a unit of pistoliers. I could only take, I think, MSU, or I could only take uh, half the unit size. So I'm looking at that. That's probably about, about 500 to 1,000 points at most. And I remember the very first game I played was against four Bloodthirsters or three Blastthirsters and Archeon. And I'm like, whoa, this game is completely <laughs> unbalanced. There were people that were trying to, to balance it with wounds, like total wounds. Like you had a 100-wound army. I had a 100-wound army. Just go at it. But we know that 100 wounds is not equal. Um, <laughs> The first, and I'm sure you're probably getting to this, the first real successful attempt at, at uh, comping or, or delivering some army structure, I think, for AOS was Mo Ashraf and uh, his Clash Comp uh, because he had sort of scheduled his event for, I think it was August, um, and then Age of Sigma happened, and he sort of went, wow, uh, need to give some structure to this event. Um, and so he came up with this pool system um, that was actually really good. Um, I, I really enjoy that i think sort of august um when that sort of came out was when a, 
I, I, I hate to call us old guard, um, but some of the people who were pl- have been playing since the start probably went, righto, cool. We've got some framework because you can do free-for-all and things like that, but most people need a little bit of framework. They just need the sandbox to play in and then they go. And once uh, Mo's Clash Comp came out and then, you know, he was working with some people in the community to sort of tweak that, I think that's when AOS grew its sort of first set of legs to to be a bit more of a serious game. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was pitched initially as like a beer and pretzels game. It was a very pickup, casual, um, super super light. I remember I, I don't know if I've got the book in, in the back in the shelf there, but um, the book, the world we were coming from, H, uh, Wama Fantasy Battles, the big red book, which was the rule book, was essentially I want to say 200, 300 pages. And often, you know, games were you know I, I can only imagine a tournament organizer having to go through all the various rules. And then we kind of stripped it back to four rules, you know, had the war scrolls. Um, but not just that, the, the there was no law. Um, you know, there were some stories that kind of emerged out of this. You know, people who were ingrained in the old world were now being told about these mortal realms and god beasts and realm gates and, you know, Stormcast finest, sorry, Sigmar's finest warriors. And, you know, not just there was no points, but there was no law. There was everyone's army books had basically disappeared. It's not like, hey, you've got an old edition, bring it over. We were literally at the start, um, which made it fun because people got to remove themselves from the shackles of match play and points and got to see some crazy scenarios, got to see some crazy matchups, very narrative orientated. But then there was the other side, which is very much I'm struggling because I don't have a sandpit and people weren't bringing a quote-unquote balanced list. They'll bring in the monsters. They'll bring in their hardest stuff. Yeah, who's, who's going to bring battle line? And it was upsetting some people. Yeah, that's that's one way of putting it, yeah. Um, I think it was – we're starting from square one on law. So we sort of had – we had the, yeah, I remember that primer book that came out with the box – you know, and it sort of said, well, this is what Sigmar is doing. And then in Azir, there's, you know, the elves, uh, you know, elves and Duarden and things like that. And righto. And then it mentioned a couple of other things and talked about, you know, what Malekith is up to now. Well, now he's Malarion and da 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 da. And, you know, it kind of gave us all little, like the groundwork. Mm. Uh, and, and which is what they were working from as well. You know, they'd had this. They had started from that ground level and they were working on building it up. Um, I think that's actually part of what's been really cool about Age of Sigmar is, is being here as the law grows um, and as the game has grown, grown. Like, I, it's a, been a good journey. So It's been an awesome going journey. To talk about now, like, you know. But retrospectively, retrospectively, it was real struggle for people because they didn't have maps. They didn't understand the mortal realms. There Some wasn't a lot of maps. But there Some wasn't a lot for some people, right? Like, like they yeah. went from, uh, you know, a, a foundational product. For, and I don't want to harp too much on Warhammer Fantasy Battles, but I just kind of want to set the scene of what the world looked like because there was no battle tomes. Uh, there was no general's handbook. There was no points. Um, armies were fractured. My, my army, which was the Empire, was essentially four different armies. I had the Free People, Collegiate Arcane, Ironworld Arsenal, and the Devoted of Sigma. So and all and and those uh, those units didn't interact like they used to, right? So um, it, it, the very very early days was a was an interesting struggle. It was an opportunity, 
we're not saying it was good or bad. Um, it was, it was depends on how you see the world. It was uh, certainly different. And I sort of mentioned it before, I've been slightly insulated from that because death kind of just all worked together. They, I I kind of got out of it easy because it all sort of has stayed working together um, pretty much right through. Yeah, You got lucky. I had to rebase all lucky. my army as well. That was a big one as well. We had to all oh. rebase our armies from squares to rounds. Um, I reluctantly did it. Some people got super frustrated and said, screw you. Lord Tremendous said, that's it. Uh, I'm dropping the mic. And this was a very famous video that um, Lord Tremendous, a, a, a prominent Warhammer Facebook, uh, sorry, Warhammer Facebook, Warhammer uh, fantasy um, YouTuber had gotten so annoyed at the Age of Sigma that he went out and burnt his Dark Elf army in, in complete protest and rage. Um, and it's still on YouTube if you want to go enjoy that. Not now. Please continue watching us. But later after yeah. this, you can go watch this video. But um, this, there was some real frustration. There was a game that was born out of this. The the Ninth Age came out for the from the community members who didn't want to join us on the journey. And that's okay. It's a completely different game. And if you enjoy the, the regiments and that fantasy style game, please go enjoy your toys. Um, you know, I hope to see you in the community one day. And, and likewise, maybe we'll find some common ground when the old world wars comes uh, in a few years time. Yeah. That's, that's, it was around this time that um, Mantic decided to bring out the second edition of Kings of War as well. Uh, so you saw a split, I think, and, and some people stayed with Age of Sigma, some people went and played Ninth Age, and some people went and played Kings of War. Um, and they're all games with their own strengths. Um, and, just play with what you want to play. Yeah, and, and, and there was sort of maintained that attitude. Uh, and, and there was a bit of like frustration at the time, right? Like I, I, I remember people calling, you know, people really didn't like Stormcast at the time, especially some of the old guard. You know, they would call them Sig Marines, or they were, you know, kept very drawn towards the Space Marine um, view. You know, there was Age of Shitmar, and and there was some people who were really pissed off. Um, and and they left and and that was okay because it was the people who kind of stayed around that said this is our game we're going to create it and i think what i've seen over time and i'm sure you'd agree with me is that the community has really shaped games workshops approach to this game and this feels like a very community orientated game and we are reaping the rewards from it today yeah we've got a fantastic community talk to me about your first game so I so five years ago today, at about probably this time, I wandered into Battle Station, which is our local store, um, and they had the original box set set up on one of those Shattered Dominion tiles, and I sat down and I played with the corn because uh, I loved those models the most, um, and uh, I'm pretty sure I lost, uh, but it was just just coming to grips with how different it was compared to fantasy. Um, and and I went away from there and I went, okay. And then I went and downloaded the compendium for my army. Um, and I think I started rebasing quite early on. I think I'd committed to... Because um, there was this weird crossover period where you sort of had some fantasy events that had sort of been planned and they decided to stay fantasy. So there was kind of this... A bunch of my army stayed on squares until i'd com done those events i committed to but i'd started rebasing quite early on um and i yeah it was um 
I, I enjoyed that first game and then I sort of went on to play with some other people around here and, you know, convinced Mark to rebase his Nurgle Demons. He'd never even played. I'm like, no, it's great. You should do it. Let's rebase your army. <laughs> so um, I will mention, though, that um, when the images for a for a, the Age of Sigmar box leaked, there was like a Saturday at the end of June that they leaked, like pictures from mm. the White Dwarf. I was running my first event that weekend. So that Saturday morning, when we're all about to just go start playing 8th edition fantasy, people are looking on their phones at these like round-based models and we're all like, what the, what, what is this stuff? Uh, so that was an interesting weekend. Um, but I fell in love with those corn models straight away. I've just never, I've never just painted an army of them. It's, it's a bizarre thing. But um, no, my first, from my first game, I was like, yep, let's do this. And it's interesting, you're right, because when I go back and watch some of the old videos from like Warhammer Weekly and, you know, Vince and Tom have been doing this show for five years or probably over five years, you know, you go you go back and watch those videos leading in because they always do the news and the rumours and you watch those rumours leading into um, Age of Sigmar and obviously there was a lot of news and there was a lot of rumours and people were either making up things, things that actually nailed them, hit the mark or there were some things that even, you know, they didn't know what they were really looking at. Um, so it was, it was a super interesting journey for me. Um, I know, again, I, I mentioned Warhammer Fantasy Battles, but um, this was my first event. I was a, a, a one-dayer, three three games. I wasn't really committed. I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't seen where, – where's my where's my Empire Battle Tome? You've killed all my dudes. So where's your I brought, beard? <laughs> I know. I was, I was a little, little child. Wow. I'm a child, like in my games workshop store. Um, there's my old free guild general on Griffin with my general that I'd run around for the dawn of time. There's that pistolier that had to be in my battalion, who were hot garbage back then. Um, and, you know, I, I played that Archeon, that blood, that bloodthirster list. I remember um, it was very, in my mind, it was really hard to break the regiments and there was another picture that I think I forgot to upload where my army was still on the traditional green movement tray, which we all got used to moving and pinning and, and, and wheeling um, and, you know, trying to break up this concept of coherency because I was always so used to fighting in ranks. And piling in just blew my mind. It was like, yep. what is this pile-in thing? Um, my empire at best would be able to flank with their detachments and come from the side because they would have some little supporting units uh, with the major unit. But this whole thing of, you know, you activating and um, even the alternating phase, right, in in, in fantasy battles, if you charged, um, often you got to fight first, except, you know, we based off things like initiative. So initiative would often dictate the terms of battle. You know, you'd win your battle based on... Um, on leadership tests and you could break, you know, the army and, you know, if there was only like 25% of the army was available, you know, you would, you would win or um, at the end of combat, if you did enough damage and they, and they failed their break test, they would run away and you'd go kind of chase them. And um, the, the game was chalk and cheese. It was, it was, it was, it, it took me a long time to break an old pattern. And I think funnily enough, Clint, on your podcast, um, very early on, I did an episode with you, my first debut mm. episode where I was like, the struggles that I had going from fantasy to Sigma because it was chalk and cheese. I'm sure if I was a 40K player, um, the, the transition would have been easier, but it was a completely different game. And breaking that habit was tough, at least for me. It was really tough. 
yeah, I, I remember you coming on for that episode where we cover you, your transition because I know that you were quite resistant to it. You know, you've loved the Empire. But um, I, I feel like, yeah, those first couple of months were very interesting. So we, we played for a good year. I think it was about a year. So um, Age of Sigma, I guess, essentially the box set came out in uh, in July the 4th or July the 11th when we all picked it up. And we finally got points in probably July the, the next year. And that's where we got the very first General's Handbook. Um, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, that also led to the very first event that you had run uh, and probably the event that kicked off the community in Australia. And that was CanCon. Um, and I know for our international guests, I'm sure there's this moment, whether it was Adepticon, whether it was been um, South Coast GT, because I know South Coast had their own point system. Uh, I'm sure there's these, and, and, and I hope that people who are listening to this are reflecting on their own journeys and they're thinking about their own communities. Um, but for us, CanCon was the very first thing that really kind of kicked kicked everything off. And I'm going to, while you start, start chatting, I'm going to bring up a photo. Right. Um, so I'd run some stuff under Clash Comp um uh, beforehand um and then and also in 2016 was when the herald started as well in may um so it took us less than a year to go right we want to talk about warhammer all the time um but yeah no cancon uh that was that was crazy uh basically the discussion was between the heralds and uh and myself we're like we had previously wanted to go to cancon um another year but i had to move around that time and it just destroyed our plans and they're like, cool, we want to go to CanCon again, but nobody was running AOS. And it's like, well, if it's going to happen, we might have to run it. Uh, and so we did. Um, we got 47 people on the weekend. On it's probably, it's probably worth noting the, fo the photos here if you, you are, if you are watching us live. Um, this is an all-age of Sigma. This is a multi-system event. So you've probably yeah. got a whole bunch of like 40K. You've got the ninth age of whatever fantasy battles. You've got... This is not just all agency. We didn't we didn't start yeah. off the committee of two hundred. Yeah, no, no. You can kind of see the lines in some of this. Like, there's there's people standing up, like the big picture that you got there with me in there, looking dashing in my orange vest. Um, you can kind of see people sitting down in the rows behind us. So, um, you know, we're only go back a couple of rows, but um, it was really awesome. Um, Forty seven people from everywhere. I met so many people that I didn't know. Um, and I believe it was a lot of people's first proper tournament. Um, people who are now like, I don't want to say names, but like um, people who are prominent in the community, you know, this was their first me, first me, event. I, Yourself, me. Liam, uh, Mr. Shadowhammer. This, is, this I is my very first event. This was literally my first event. I have been yeah. playing Warhammer Fantasy Battle since the late 90s and I've never played at an event. Um, I grew up in a small country town of like 10,000 people, um, you know, in a very farm, um, in a, like a very farming community. Um, I, I had a little games club that I played in for most of it, but I had never played at a tournament until CanCon. And funnily enough, um, the gentleman in the middle of this photo here, Deke, Deke is, um, Deke is one of my oldest and dearest friends. I got him into Warhammer Fantasy. Um, we've been best friends since we were um, in primary school. Um, I got him into Warhammer Fantasy. Um, when Age of Sigma came in, I think I I just moved back to Sydney and he um, he was very, very persistent to get me back into the community, you know, between 8th edition to, to, to Warhammer Fantasy, uh, Age of Sigma. And um, this was our first event. We all went, stuff it, we're going to go. Um, I didn't win a... I, I won one game of Age of Sigma in 2016 
leading into CanCon, which was at the start of 2017. And that was like, that was a lot of it was me trying to break the habits and trying to understand the game again, um, which has probably worked in my favor now because I had a massive, um, a massive journey. But for me, it was my first event. And you're right. So many other people, uh, it was their first event. Um, and funnily enough, if you're looking at the photos here, uh, in the top right, the dude with the red hat is me. And then on the bottom right, uh, the bottom right is me uh, again. Funnily enough, Clint only had four photos and two of them included me, which, uh, was, which was a bit funny. You're just playing on the edges. Um, yeah, just sort of playing where the shots were. Um, yeah, I don't know why I don't have too many photos of that particular year. I think I was too stressed trying to run this event. It was the biggest thing I'd ever done, um, <laughs> which is crazy now when you look back on it. Uh, but it was a great um, it, a great catalyst, I think, um, for um, the community in Australia because all of a sudden events were popping up everywhere and we had all these communities that were starting to to travel and talk to each other and things like that, you know. It was really good. And we, we in Sydney had a little group, and this is where I met Liam. You know, Liam and I didn't know each other before Hammer Fantasy, uh, you know, in, the, in, that, in that age. But we got to know each other from the community and we played in the same circles. We ended up travelling together and we've become very good friends um, in between. But the work that that started at CanCon, and if you've never been to an event team, um, you know, again, I can imagine, you know, whether it's um, Adepticon, whether it's South Coast GT, whether it's any of the big events around the world, I'm sure you you feel the same way. You go in for the first time, you don't know anybody, or you might have a couple of people you go with, you meet all these people, you start seeing them at other events. And, you know, when I think about my journey, I think about the fact that I, I now know so many people um, this was a photo that come from two years ago, not this CanCon, I think it was the CanCon before. And mm -hmm. it's grown to a point where we now have this massive barbecue in Australia the night before CanCon and Doom and Darkness sets this barbecue up. Um, you know, we, we, we initially, uh, Dadhammer, you know, Luke Stone had started the barbecue, but we've now got it professionally catered for. But Australia, New Zealand, you know, Christian Weir come over from um, from America. We've had some of the Scottish lads come over. You can see Rob Symes there if you're sharp and Nathan. You know, the community has come together and, you know, it's from these moments now that we've got these friendships and the the game just doesn't happen on the tabletop. The, the friendships continue to bloom before and afterwards. And I think for me, this is this is what I love about this community and this is what I love about what the, the game has brought because I, I never had this in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Um, and I'm sure if I played in tournaments, it might have been like that. But um, I think this is the community project that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So. That was an interesting night, that one. <laughs> it, was, it was a great night. But, you know, like, again, you know, I look at like a photo like this from Adepticon, you know, not, the same is true. You know, I went to Adepticon. I got to hang out with so many cool cats there. If you're of America, you probably see Vince and Tom and Rallyan and, and Mitzi and Jimbo and, you know, the Warhammer community team there and Tyler Mengel. And, like, there's 100 names there that, um, you know, uh, Dave, Dave from um, Garage Hammer and, you know, there's just so many cool people. And, you know, these stories continue as you go to different events. Um, you know, whether it's Chuck Moore there, you know, I've got um, like there's just Ken and, you know, Hayden even at a local level and Seth coming over from New Zealand. Um, yep. The friendships have really bloomed along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, like we always talk about the social side of things, but I travel to go see people and then we kind of play Warhammer as a side thing a lot of the time. 
it's, it's very true. We, you know, the, the, win, lose, or draw, that doesn't matter anymore. And, and again, yeah. if you haven't gone to tournaments, team, I can't, uh, I can't stress enough. When when everything kind of comes back safely in your community, um, I urge you, I implore you to go out there. And if you don't know anybody, uh, you will quickly meet people. Because when I went, when I went to Blood and Glory in 2017. Um, which is one of my highlights. I might bring up the photo. I got to play on Warhammer TV, but I didn't know anybody back then except for my one friend that brought me over. Um, I didn't. I was. I wasn't making content back then. Uh, but I had an absolute ball meeting all of these English and Irish and Welsh and uh, just, just the general community, uh, and everyone's very very friendly. I can't wait to events coming back. I'm, I'm starting to miss it. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Wow. So- from CanCon, the first year, we had a whole swath of events sort of pop up here in Australia, and I imagine the world over. Um, you know, the steamroller, so it, like the snowball kept going on, you know, Sydney Slaughter, and um, was that the year that we ran the teams at Moab? Was that the same year, I think? Uh, I think Moab might have been another year. Uh, by the way, by the way, um, events, by the way, were only small. Like, I remember events... Mm approximately about about 20 like 20 20 to 30 was an awesome event back then mm. um cancon obviously at the, at the time was super big at 50 odd uh and we were really chuffed about that obviously now 2020 january we ended on 240 players um uh, end up like 218 on the day or whatever it was 220 but, uh, but 20 20 odd people was like the the good tournament anything yeah. uh, a 50 player tournament was like a huge yeah, so there was all sorts of tournaments popping up in these groups that were running them, and that was just awesome to see. You know that I think we had a bit of an explosion. Po- people talk about you know, I saw it in the comments earlier. You know, Age of Sigma started post GHB, and that's quite it's true in in one sense in that it la- it made it easy for people to start. They could go to a store and buy the GHB, and then they could play. You know, they didn't need to talk about Clash Comp or South Coast GT Pool Comp or whatever. They, you know, it's just this book, and then from there you go. Because the idea was like, if you were to play at an event or you were meant to play a game, the idea was that you put a war scroll down, I put a war scroll down, and we alternate it until somebody decides not to put a war scroll down. That was in it in its foundational core. That's what Games Workshop wanted in the early days. And there was meant to be a lot of negotiation, you know, between players, uh, what we would put on the table. And for whatever reason, we're probably not the best communicators in the world or we don't like confrontation. Uh, but people were, again, putting down those bloodthirsters and, like, drop one, two, three. And you're like, uh, I was only bringing some archers and some regular skeletons. Uh, but there was no grand, you know, grand alliances and all this stuff was just, like, it was up to your imagination, which was cool and confusing. Yeah. And so, yeah, GHB crystallized that for a lot of people. Um, and then we all had a platform to, to sort of work from. I remember that came out. That came out the weekend of one of Evan's first events, RCGT, the first RCGT. I think no, GHB no, came no. out that weekend. No, RCGT, the first one was in November. Uh, no, it was before that. But either way, like I remember when yeah. I remember when I got my rules. This was because there was no free cities, there was no free people rules. Uh, I worked on Grand Alliance, and I was so excited to get this artifact called the Phoenix Stone that allowed my my general to heal a wound. And um, I would take strategic genius that would give me an additional command point, I think it was, or something like that. Or, no, it gave me free inspiring presence. 
Um, and back then as well, um, only your general could use a command point, which was super fascinating because most of my army had squishy five-point heroes. So, like, I remember at the Masters, and I'll bring up a photo of the Masters, um, I played the eventual winner, Dave Kerr, and Dave Kerr, uh, my general being a dude on foot, um, put, put a change master, a, change, a changeling behind my line, popped up some destiny dice using Zench, and killed my five wound hero um, in the first turn without me even rolling a dice. Um, and there was no other heroes that could do anything um, because everything was tied to the general. So that was one of the funny rules. I'm going to bring up some funny rules. I want to see how how well you know your Age of Sigmar, but this for me was awesome. This is where I got to meet absolute legends. And I hope people on, on the stream at least know someone like uh, Dan from um, The Honest Wargamer. Um, there's so many cool cats here. The Failed Charge, you've got uh, you know Liam's there and his little blue hat backwards because he's a cool kid. Yep. Chris from Mortally Wounded. That was an interesting Masters, that one. You and I played, I think, for the first time. We did. We did. We yep. played our, We played our first game. Uh, match one, funnily enough, it was um, mm -hmm. the Free Cities versus you were playing Death. Manfred um, had broken. Um, and oh, I had I had, I had Arkan. I had Arkan and Neferata in oh, the one right. list. Mm. But, and Arkan broke. That's right. So and I was propping him up with the tape measure. <laughs> Spent the whole game trying to glue his tail for, for future events. I played Liam at the awful. Masters as well. I played Dan at the Masters. Um, I played uh, uh, Matt Matt Campbell, obviously the winner of CanCon last year or the year before. Um, but, you know, it's been an amazing ride, um, something that I've thoroughly enjoyed. Yep. Which armies have you collected over time? Oh, gosh. Um, all of them? No. Um, projects completed. So I've had the death. I had a death army in fantasy, and I built it up and built it up. I recently sold it just before Christmas to start again. Um, I've built a squig army that was bright and colourful. I took it to the Renax event. Um, I've had a mixed order army. I've had everything. I've bought and sold lots and lots of different projects, but there's only a few things that I've turned into a proper army. You know, currently it's beasts uh, working on death in the background, and then it looks like I'm taking elves to Runax again. So that's another project. So I just uh, I just bounce around. I just get really excited about stuff and then buy it up. And then I, six months later, I go, oh, yeah, I don't really think I have time to finish this. And then off it goes. So you're a hobby butterfly. You're like you're like uh, <sighs> it's bad. It's so bad. You are a hobby butterfly. Um, yeah. I have I have bought and mostly played with, although some I haven't played with. Um, I, m first, I was running Mixed Order, and I ran Mixed Order for a long time. Um, took it to Blood and Glory, played it for the first year of CanCon, got to the Masters with Mixed Order. At, uh, the second the second CanCon, I took it because I'd gotten back from Blood and Glory. I wanted to do Flesh Eater Courts because I bought four-star collecting boxes from, from the UK because it's basically buy one, get one free when you look at the conversion between UK versus Australia. Um, I didn't get it up in time, so I ran my 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 my, my mixed order. Then I had aspirations of turning those four boxes into uh, into feck, and then uh, just as I started to build that army, Legions of Nagash came out. Got super excited and ran Legions of Night with Manfred, um, which was an absolute ball. I played with Manfred for nine months, won Best Death at Sydney Slaughter. Um, had a game with Adam Adam Burt, who won the original uh, second CanCon. Where I'd, uh, another another rule that you probably don't remember is um, there not you Clint but the community 
the old mystical test. So in the original game, there were five, there were six six things, you know, the ones that we know already. The table A, which is, you know, your arcane, your deadly, blah, blah, blah. Deadly, um, you, if you roll the one, the model was instantly slain. So I remember Ben Spinetti uh, in his first game at the uh, the team's tournament running Gordrak through a hill or a forest that was deadly, rolled the one, Gordrak was instantly slain. We all laughed. I remember that. I remember so that. It was so good. <laughs> um, but Mystical was another one where basically uh, you roll the dice on a roll of a two to a six, your units could re-roll wounds. Could, uh, it was like a save or it was a... Uh, it was a you could re-roll re wounds. On a roll of a one, there was this thing called Ensorcelled where basically they don't do shit. They sit there and they can't move. They can't fight. They can't do anything. They are a useless unit and uh, i remember playing adam bird at sydney slaughter and i had this like super buffed up uh skellies ready to go into corn um they were gonna double piling in they were supercharged and i rolled in sorcelled and uh they just sat there and it lost me the game and then my morgast failed their charge and good times but that the, the, and we'll get some more rules there are a whole bunch of other rules that that are very interesting that we've forgotten about but legions of nagash was another one for me gloom spike gets people probably know of the Flesh Eater Courts, um, I, I do have a Flesh Eater Courts. I've only run them a couple of times. Same as my Zench. I have a very demon-heavy Zench army that I mostly brought over from Fantasy and have added some new models to. And to no, and to no one's surprise, uh, Cities of Sigma. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you run your Zench. So. Uh, it's on, it's on the it's on the um uh, it's on the ranking system once it was a I took it to a um I took it to a, a game cube. cube or something yeah okay so I took it once and um I burned chain host because it's the only battalion at the time that could use all of my demons no no, no like like <laughs> all I had was I, I had I had pink horrors and I had I had I was running screamers as well so I have I have metal screamers I was running screamers um i had flamers at the time which were rubbish but now uh i look like a massive cheese merchant just just embrace it just runs in just like next event you go to just to be like yep bam right. Don't, right. Yeah, it's, it's literally if i turn the corner i literally have a a, a painted three thousand point zench army that uh it's like then play 50, it 50 pink horrors like 80 blues 60 brims like it's crazy but uh wow. i won't do that but before i ask you a whole bunch of questions and the chat can play along i'd love you guys to play along what's your favorite model that's been released over the last five years oh so for age of sigma okay Ooh. um so not end times yeah no or oh, my favorite model predates that um okay so favorite age of sigma model Ooh. i like the black coach the black coach is just Black Coach or, or Mangler Squigs. I'm trying hard to separate those. I've I've owned Mangler Squigs and really enjoyed playing with and painting those. I've no, I haven't bought a Black Coach yet. Um, I will go with Black Coach just because it's death. I think that's just an amazing, amazing model. Don't do that to me. So my my, my favorite. Did was I gonna... just steal yours? No, because I was going to say Marathi, <laughs> but now I feel really bad for not picking one of my own armies. Um, but Marathi was one of my favorite. I think when the Marathi trailer, when Marathi, the, when that trailer came out at CanCon, the second CanCon, mm. and I remember we're at the barbecue and like we're watching this video, going, "What is this? This looks friggin' amazing!" Um, you know, watching Vince, Vince and Tom's reactions to the video. Um, at the time, that got me super excited. I was never going to play Daughters of Cain, but like the narrative and 
the hype was real. And I know it kind of infected Liam and so many other Daughters of Cain players, but um, that model of Marathi is just incredible. Yeah. I see a couple of mentions in the chat there. Reichnor, awesome model, and uh, Leviadon. So, Leviadon's great. There's been a lot great. of cool models. I'd love to hear what people's <laughs> thoughts are, what their favourite model is. I um, think that's uh, another great thing about Age of Sigma is that it's freed up the model team to just go nuts. Because uh, could you imagine a Leviadon in fantasy? Like just because of the base and it does, it wouldn't fit on a chariot base and it wouldn't play well with the way that the rules and the basing and the um, facings worked and all that sort of stuff. Just those, or or the substituting Marathi mechanic, like just, yeah, the freedom. Well, another thing that people might not realize is that in Warhammer Fantasy Battles, terrain really wasn't a thing. So not just terrain rules. And there were some things like spooky forests and deadly forests and forests had some things, but what we see today with terrain, the importance of terrain has really come into its own, not just the Legion's mm. terrain, but but regular terrain, the average terrain piece and, and people really putting emphasis, not just on having hills, but having um, a whole bunch of unique terrain pieces. And it's kind of obviously exploded with 3D printing, but having good terrain now on a table is really important. Mm. Cool. And I'd love, to hear, I'd love to hear what other people's favorite models are. Um, but I want to play a bit of an antiques roadshow. I'm going to bring up a whole... I'm not, not going to bring them up. I'm going to read out um, a bunch of rules. And I want you to tell me, was this a real Age of Sigma rule or was it a fake Age of Sigma rule? Am I, have I made it up or was it real? And chat, okay. you play along. If you're on the podcast, I'd love you Do to Do you want me... To, I'll, I'll click out of the chat just so that I'm not looking at them. So oh, I'm but, not cheating. They might not even. Uh, who? who uh, maybe they don't right, know. Right. I don't know. I flicked across now. So, all right. So, yeah, you know, again, like the chat's going crazy, and uh, you know, I agree. You know, things like, um, you know, the the fungoid cave shaman, or even the four heralds from Malign Portents. You know, they are all wonderful. Whether it's the the chieftain, whether it's the fungoid, whether it's the Lord Ordinator. You know, the Star Drake has come out. Um, a lot of the Underworlds warbands, you know, uh, are off the charts good. The new the new squigs, the new trogs. Um, the KO, the, you know, there's just some, so many cool models that have come out. So it's obviously hard to choose, but that's my favorite. The Star Trek's pretty awesome. Yeah. But Antics Roadshow. Right. Are you ready? All right. So this is coming out from the Beast Man. So, you know, the, the, the Beast of Chaos, but it's a Beast Man War Scroll. So uh, the Bray Herds Cry. Uh, 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 red hot rage festers in the savage minds of the war girds or the war god, the, the war gores. Uh, uh, their only desire is rend and destroy. You can add one to the hit rolls made of friendly war gore if, before rolling the dice, you let out a primal war cry. The war cry must actually use no words, but angry grunts and raging snorts are encouraged. Is that a true Age of Sigma rule or is that a false Age of Sigma rule? What's a war gore? I imagine that's an old compendium thing. It sounds familiar. I'm going to go with true. That sounds crazy enough that it was. It would sounds like one of the compendium ones. I didn't look at beasts back in compendium, so I think war gore is what they called like their champs or something like that. Uh, the correct answer is, is yes. Um, um, it was a beastman war gore standard bearer, and yes. uh, it was a real rule. Yep. Cool. All right, so you're, you're on one. I was uh, hoping okay. that these would be up on the screen so I could read them. No, no, no. no. All right. Um, 
Sorry. All right, cool. So I'm getting some good stuff in the chat again. Podcast listeners, I hope you're playing along. Uh, There's about 10 questions, I think. Sticking with Beasts of Chaos, number two. If a Beastman player is suitably dressed for the occasion, they might they may headbutt the opposition player um, after any movement is resolved. I'm going to go with false on that one. <laughs> you know, encouraging violence is <laughs> probably not think, within. Nah, it's not true. You don't think they're encouraging headbutts like a goat? No. Uh, no. All right. That that was that. In fact, you are correct. Uh, that was a false rule. That was that was made up. Um, so the next one is from a Bretonian Grail Knight. Uh, the the Grail Vow. You can all reroll. These, you all can these reroll. I didn't read. <laughs> you can reroll all failed hit rolls for the unit. Um, if before rolling the dice you hold aloft a Grail or goblet and shout for the lady in the heroic voice, is that yeah, a real true. rule or is it Age of Sigma? Yeah. It's true. It's true. I remember that one. Do you remember anyone doing it in a in a tournament? I don't think I've ever seen anyone play Bretonians. I just remember that being a thing. That is correct. It was a real rule. It was a real rule. Yeah. All right. Moving moving across the fence into the Empire. Um, the first this Empire rule is from the Hammer of Sigma. So if the Empire player has dressed up as Sigma for the occasion, they may smash the gaming table with a hammer once per magic phase. Any models knocked over for the occasion are considered ca uh, casualties and models must be removed um, from the table. True or false? That's false. You want it to be true now that you've got a Galmaraz, though. <laughs> Just... <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's do that. Absolutely false. false. All right. Yeah, that was a false rule. But what about the other one? What about the other one from the Empire? This comes from Kurt Helborg, uh, the pride of the Riksguard. Helborg's leadership is uh, is from his moustache, essentially. He has a glorious moustache. You can re-roll failed hit rolls when attacking with the Runefang, so long as you have a bigger and more impressive moustache as your opponent. Was that real or was that true or false? That's absolutely true. And I remember there being some people kicking up a stink on the internet about this particular rule. It's like, well, what if this girl is playing? How is she meant to have a bigger moustache? And people just trying to break this down to the ridiculous degree but it's true i remember that rule it was a true rule so it's good to see the chat is uh is not falling for my shenanigans the next one comes from the tomb kings um now there's there's, there's another one i've just remembered that um that i'll add after this but the 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 first one from the tomb kings is from um from the the wrath of the sands which was a, a, i think it was an allegiance rule or i can't remember what it was but if you feel the high queen kalita you may during the magic phase dump a bucket of sand if you've brought it along on the opponent's model uh the opponent's models cat litter may be used instead of the sand uh which is treated as poisoned effects for the models that are in based contact with the litter is that a true or a false rule? Once again, it's one I'd love to be true because it's just hilarious, but no, it's false. <laughs> uh, the other rule that I, that is correct, it's it's a false rule. Uh, the other the other rule that I forgot to put in here that um I was being smart but I forgot was um cetera. So if you kneel um if you kneel uh, and you're feeling cetera, you automatically lose the game. Uh, is that true or a false rule? That is true. It was a true rule. So it was kneel, like one of the first things that went into people's players' packs. It's like, this is not a thing. 
So if you kneeled to get a drink from your bag or if you dropped the yeah. model and you kneeled, uh, you would lose the game. That was a true rule, uh, but certainly for the first one to be uh, removed from players' packs. That or there's a – oh, no, I won't say anything because I might preempt one of your questions. All right, we've got four more or three more. Uh, this one's coming from the, the Dwarf Longbeards. Uh, it, the rule is called Old Grumblers. In your hero phase, you can complain about something that is suitably dwarfish in a, sorry, in a suitably dwarfish manner. For example, the hardships that you were endure, endured when you were young, how the youth of today don't respect their elders, uh, how expensive beer is. If you do so, the the, the unit of Longbeards will join in and uh, there's a whole bunch of um, grumbling rules that you could, you know, plus one to hit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, was that a true was that a true rule or not? Absolutely true. It was a true rule. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember any anyone grumbling? <sighs> Just me on my last trip to Sydney. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm sure there were. I don't I don't think I. Yeah, I'm sure I played somebody with dwarves. They might have done it. Yeah, I I it's a long dwarves. time ago, Anthony. It's a long time ago. <laughs> All right, well, the other dwarf rule I'll do is the dwarven life and livery. So the dwarven player must drink a shot of uh, alcoholic beverage for every destroyed dwarven unit. No, it's false. I don't think you'd even need a rule to get a dwarf player to do that. So no. that was a false rule, but certainly a uh, rule that people would be happy to do. You're doing pretty well. Two more. Uh, this 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 second second last one comes from the Empire. It comes from a character called uh, Marius Leadolf. Uh, who he was the I mad count. He is the I mad love count. Him so much. Well, let's see how well you know these rules. So the mad count's rules is uh, Marius was an exceptional swordsman, even if he was totally insane. During your hero phase, you pretend to ride an imaginary horse, and you get re-roll fail hit rolls for the rune fang, the Avaland rune fang, until your next hero phase. If you actually talk to your imaginary horse, you can re-roll failed wound rolls as well. Was that true or was that false? Uh, I believe it was true. His horse was named Daisy. Uh, there's your bit of trivia uh, for bonus points. So if you talked... <sighs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I remember the, the galloping around on the horse thing. I don't know if the second part's true, though. I don't know if you're trying to trick me up with, like, a two-parter. I'm it, saying it, it, it is all, true. It's all true. Yeah. It is true because I went Monty Python at one event and brought some coconuts to clap around and... Yeah, yeah. The horse was named Daisy. I loved it. It's great. I love, and it was such a good model as well. Oh, it's a beautiful um, model. Like, it was a fine cast model. That and Kurt Hellborg came out with some updated sculpts from the Electric Count range. Last question. You're doing pretty well. The chat's doing pretty well too, actually. The last yep. one comes from the Daughters of Cain, formerly Dark Elves. Uh, the Blood Rack Medusa. So the Blood Rack Stare. When making a Blood Rack Stare attack, Pick a visible unit within range and roll a dice for each model in that unit. For each for each roll of six uh, or more, the unit suffers a mortal, mortal wound as they are foolishly met to Medusa's deadly gaze. You can add one to the dice rolls if, between the time that you declare the target of the attack and the time that you rolled the dice, your opponent looked you directly in the eye. See, the other ones that were false were obviously false, and this one has that kind of, it's just slightly on brand. I'm going to go with true. I'm going to ruin my run. I'm going to say that this is true, and it's going to end up being false. But it sounds true. 
Well, the chat the chat says it's true, and it was actually a, a true rule. So cool. Uh, I didn't know many daughters of Cain players, or essentially what was formerly Dark Elves, and certainly none that ran. Um, I, I had I had a couple, but they were very. They, just, they weren't they super popular back in eighth. The the Medusas. Um, no, no, they were definitely more of like the the repeater crossbows and the bolt throwers and those types of things. But yes, if you looked at your opponent in the eyes, or your opponent looked at you as you were making your declaration. Um, you would get pluses. Uh, that was, yeah. So I've got a follow-up rule for you, a follow-up question. Yeah. I'm going to fire it back at you. What was the other silly rule that was often mentioned as an example in players' packs in the old rules? Like, a, so like Cetra kneeling was one. Like yeah. when, the you know, in a player's pack, it would say that all the silly effects are just assumed to happen. Right, yeah. and then it gave examples. It gave the one I'm asking you about, and it you've gave assumed Cetra. I read players' packs very often, which we know 95% of players don't read. So I'm uh, that hurts my brain. Yeah, look, yeah, like was it a wag question? Because I remember there was a big time where players would wag, but I don't remember if a wag was it is destruction. To... You're in the right thing. Yeah, I, I only remember like yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the chat thinks maybe it might be Skaven. I'm seeing a big wag. Uh, I don't remember. Um, uh, it was Greasus Goldtooth and the bribing your opponent. Love it. I, I didn't know many ogre plays back in the day, so I don't think no. I was paying attention, but that was a um, good. Yep. And there's still a silly rule, an out of game rule in the game at the moment. Do you know what one that, that one is? A compendium war scroll or? No, it's in a battle tome. It's, in a, it's an AOS 2 battle tome as well. No, okay, it? so what there's is... a rule in the Fire Slayers book where you insult your opponent's models. I've never had a Fire Slayers opponent insult my models. I don't think it's a very commonly used one. But I feel uh, like I need to start a Fire Slayers cause, up. Because I remember I'm... there being some discussion about how uh, about that, and it's, it quite clearly says, like, opponent's model, like, select a model and insult the opponent's models, not your opponent. Um, they were very clear to do that. Yeah. I, so I, instead of go. being sportsmanship for being sassy, I would actually be playing my army. And I always had, I, I'll share a story with you as I always had a dream that one day I would be able to borrow Ben Spinetti's KO. And what I wanted to do one day is rock up to a tournament with five bags of gold. I would have five bags of $1 coins or $2 coins. And I wanted to bribe my opponent. I wanted to see, could I go five and O if I bribed an opponent with bags of gold? <laughs> and maybe initially I'd have bags of gold of like 20 bucks. And, yeah. you know, I, I think I had 50 buck limits at the time. And if someone was willing to give me 20 bucks for a, a win, then I would use that 30 bucks to basically get to, to game five and go, here is a hundred dollars in gold right now. You can walk away with cash. If you give <laughs> I wanted to see if I could do that, like hundred, 200 bucks, 300 bucks at most. And, and just do it for lols. Um, and I wanted to do it in such a way that where I'm like, look, I'm going to say shoot you off the table. Um, and, and I'll be full narrative with my KO that I, I, I didn't want to start the army just to do it for a, a one joke. No, no, you wouldn't want to, it's going to cost you a lot just to play, let alone build. But I thought that'd be a fun, a fun, a fun approach, but, so, um, yeah, the, the first RCGT, I took all of Von Karstein's together, right? When they were still compendium and I would talk to Conrad and then he would talk back so I could get my rerolls. Even though you didn't have to, even though it happened automatically, I still made sure I, I, t I had a bit of a whisper in his ear and then he told me what he wanted. And then yeah, I didn't do very well because he's crazy. But, um, yeah, 
I still made sure I did it. As an Empire player, I'd always take advantage of those crazy rules. And like I said, I had coconuts, I would have the moustache, and um, I, there's a couple of times where actually, well, I'll bring up a photo. Here's here's me doing the live stream of, um, of the second Masters where it was Travis and I, um, and there it is. I had the mast, the moustache, so I would do some moustache. Yeah, I remember because you did Movember that year, didn't you? And yeah. you're like, you like kept the moustache special. I just, do to, just to do the, the well, I stream, think, I think. I think Masters was um, day one was still November and day two was December. And I'm like, I'm not going to shave it off. Like, I'll just, let's <laughs> just halfway let's raise money for men's health and, and, and prostate cancer and things like yeah. that. So yeah. uh, I kept the moustache, but. Uh, that was a bit of a fun, fun rules. And that was some things that um, that's just some stump fun stuff that happened on war scrolls. But um, a couple of other rules that Clint, you may or may not remember and chat, you may or may not remember. Maybe you do, but you know, we talked about the mystical rule, you know, mystical had a different impact. And if you rolled the one, your unit was rubbish. They literally did nothing until the next hero phase and uh, pray, pray that you don't get double turned because that sucked that you you couldn't pile in, you couldn't attack, you couldn't, if you were a spell caster, you couldn't cast a spell, you couldn't use a command point. There's literally nothing you could do other than take an armor save. Um, yeah, yep. That, um, that big risk versus reward. Or just uh, accidentally doing it was the worst, I think. Just like in the in your hero phase, go, ah, crap. <laughs> well, the other thing with, about terrain rules is that we all know terrain rules now as one inch. So if you're within one inch of the terrain mm. piece, you get the effect, but it used to be three inches. So there was a big difference. It was great for spellcasters. It meant that I could be closer to arcane terrain, but on some of the other ones like deadly terrain, where basically if you roll, if you roll that one, you're auto slain, um, then that sucked. Mm. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was pretty, pretty rough. It's less rough now. Um, but then you also had stuff like damned where it was, was just really good. Um, Sinister used to be really good. Sinister made you cause a minus one bravery as opposed to be impacted by a minus one bravery. Mm, yeah, so I, I always load up my Carmine Dragon, which had a bravery-based shooting attack, and I would get the extra plus one, and then I would go in and just do even more damage because I think, you know, for the difference between a mortal, it was mortal wounds. So uh, that minus one was was really good. Um, some other things that you may not remember, to folks, is that mystical um, a, a Mystic Shield um, added plus one to save. So it was a nice way to get a, uh, a bravery, uh, sorry, a save boost. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy. It, it was crazy because because back back in the day as well, um, two plus and three plus armor saves were non-existent, if not super rare. Um, there would be no such thing as a Mortec guard, like a Petrofix Elite. That would not be a thing. I think Stormcast at the time, when you look at some of the old Stormcast War Scrolls, 4 Plus was awesome because 4 Plus was crazy. And then you add Plus 1 or you put down like Staunch Defender. And, you know, these these units became rock solid with a 3 Plus armor save with two wounds or maybe an after save. Like they were indestructible. There was a, there was a Stormcast strategy for a good 12 to 24 months where you drop down a block of 30 liberators and you couldn't move them for the whole, for almost the whole game. Like they were just indestructible. Yeah. Don't miss that. I don't miss, don't that. miss that at all. Well, they drop into combat as well. They would, they would ignore mm. the, um, they would ignore the, you know, within holy within yeah. or, you know, uh, things like that. And, and um, James in the chat's just raised just how much you could stack things as well, stack things together. Um, I, and also when ethereal could be modified, 
So you'd yeah. have like Neferata's command ability. Or no, it was a spell. Um, and then you'd throw that onto Nagash. So he'd be ethereal. And then you'd put Mystic Shield on him. So he had like a two up ethereal save, re rolling ones. And it was just the, the, yeah. So I assume we're sort of segueing into old builds now or. <laughs> well, I'll bring up a few more rules, but I remember Star okay, Trek yep. doing something very similar. And then if you, you know, it was, it was like a two plus armor save, re rolling ones. And if you, um, if you did, you know, I think any failed saves or it was any like past saves of sixes or whatever, I did mortal wounds back. Like there's been some crazy stuff, but some other rules you may have forgotten about. And then we'll go into some crazy builds was I mentioned the command points. So only your general could use a command point. Or command ability. We didn't have yeah, command, command points command. back then. Yeah. 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 So there were, yeah, that's correct. There was no command points. Command points came in um, basically for age of Sigma too, but yes, only your general could use their command ability. Mm -hmm. uh, and you would only be able to use one per hero phase, essentially. There was, it was only in the hero phase. There was no combat. Um, there was no uh, the, the re-rolling ones to hit or to shooting. Um, it, was, yeah. it was That was literally and that, it. And that really impacted things like Corn, where they had lots of foot heroes that had sort of average command abilities, but you didn't want to take them because that's it. You were invested in that dude, and that's it. Whereas, you know, you kind of also wanted your Bloodthirster or your, you know, your lord on juggernaut or whatever you know yeah it kind of hit some of the the armies really hard yeah uh you had and this this is probably one that that you probably very happy that doesn't exist anymore is summoning so summoning summoning was yeah. so in the very first game of age of sigma summoning was free and you could summon till your heart was content when the general's handbook came out what happened was that summoning became something called reinforcement points where you would create your, let's say 2000 point army. You would maybe only put 1700 on the table and you would keep 300 points up your sleeve. And that's how you would summon a model. So it was still 2000 points on the dot, but the way you interacted with your 2000 points was different. Yep. Yeah, and you had, you had to cast the spell to get it off. Like, cause all of the, um, Seraphon and um, Death and Demons, and they all had like a summoning, like a summoning spell that when you had that war scroll, it gave to the the necromancers or whatever. And so you'd have to like you'd set aside those points, and you'd be you'd bring along a toolbox to a an event, you know, um, things like that. So, and then you had the which led to weird interaction. Like James Mabry saying, you know, raise zombies. Like that was a big one where he's like, yeah, yeah, and um, and it led to some very interesting interactions where you had some models that would either generate new models or come back from the dead, or so like Neferata used to when she'd kill something with her dagger would make a new vampire. Yes, it's like, well, okay, well, does that come from reinforcement points or not? Um, the Flamespire Phoenix when it died and then came back. It's like, well, on you're putting a model plus. back on the table. On yeah, on the four plus. plus. It's I'm like, well, put, do you have to put points. those points? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> put 300 points in your reserve for a four plus. Yeah. And so so different tournaments handled that differently. I remember that being a nightmare. It's like, well, you know, okay, well, how strong are they? And, and does it cost points to put them back and things like that, you know? Um or is it costed into the into the unit? So, yeah, I don't I don't miss that um, as much as people sort of complain about rampant summoning now. The bookwork required previously, um, I'll take now <laughs> for that any day. Yeah, 
just little things that were really frustrating, right? Like chaos was a perfect example where you know you would you would create a demon, a chaos spawn if you know you you roll the double six or there was you know some type of roll. Yeah. A cow spawns what fifty points. It's like worth nothing, but you could never use that. You would never one put fifty points up your sleeve, um, but two, if you did roll it, or you know you're um, you're a Skaven player and you roll thirteen on your bell, and you know you summon a um, uh, a vermin lord. That's a pretty rare event to roll a thirteen. Yet you couldn't take advantage of it because you were never going to keep two hundred or three hundred points up your sleeve for summoning yeah. on this like once in a thousand time roll. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I um, I don't miss it at all. Command points was another one. When command points came in, you could buy multiple command points. I remember Sylvaneth list would always like buy three command points, um, and some other armies you could buy multiple command points. Um, when they did it, eventually um, bring yeah. that in. Yeah, that was RS two, and I had a death list that had th I bought three command points. You know, I was playing one hundred and fifty points down. <laughs> The last rule that I remember, and maybe you remember a couple of more, and I remember when this this changed the game for us. So Disciples of Zench brought this rule in. Um, or first, it was a, sorry, it was the first one to kind of break this rule, and now it's become normal for everybody. Unbinding a unbinding a spell used to be only eighteen inches, so you would mm. cast a spell, and usually the range is only eighteen. And unbinding was only eighteen. So now we know the rule is thirty. Um, but 30 only got introduced. I remember when um, when Disciples of Zench, the Lord of Change, one of its abilities was it could unbind within 30. Uh, or was it like 27 or something? Oh, it was 27. And we're like, yeah. oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. You know, the Lord of Change sits behind the line, can unbind, and you can't reach them with your 18-inch spell. And obviously in Age of Sigmar 2, we now know it's as, as 30. So um, <laughs> there's been so much, so many changes, which has been cool, but also there's some things that I miss. Do you remember yeah. any other any other rules that we've missed? Not off the top of my head. We've sort of covered mystical was the big one um, that I remember then when that changed. Yeah, and, and to and to um, to James Mabry or Duke's comment in the chat, you know, um, yeah, you can still you can still turn people into chaos spawns uh, in the in today's game. But the difference was back, you know, two or three years ago, it would cost you summoning points or reinforcement points that no one was keeping up their sleeve in the off chance of getting essentially a, you know, a chaos spawn. You know, that was. Yeah, it was all them. these, all these random maybes that it's like, well, does that cost points or is that costed into, into that unit that, you know, the, the Phoenix was the big one. It's like, well, do I have to pay for the Phoenix again? Or is it more expensive in points because it, it has that chance to come back? things like that yeah it was, it was a bit yeah. bizarre yeah. Any, any other rules you can think of that oh the, the we're, we're sort of getting into the into the artifacts now but the the ring of immortality and the uh, bringing stuff back and then you also had there was that period where you could put stuff into battalions if the words just matched so nowadays if with a battalion um, it either is the, the title of the unit or keywords. And then there was a period in there where they sort of FAQ'd that as long as it sort of was written, like Lord Celestant was just written, not keyworded, but you could then take things that were a Lord Celestant keyword. It was it was only for like six months. And I think it was when they did that and they had um, 
royal menageries or something like that filled with character terror ghosts and stuff with yeah. duplicate rings of immortality and it just being able to take multiple artifacts that's a big one multiples of the same artifact they weren't limited um for the when they first come out that's another thing i'd forgotten well when you look um, at the old general's handbook the very first general's handbook had three rules of one then the second mm. general's handbook went to five rules of one and you know not taking double artifacts was one of the additional ones between G gbh 16 and gbh 17. um yeah so. and and artifacts and command traits not affecting the mount was between the first one and the second one because yeah. you just the first one came out and there was just this explosion of like battle brew and stone horns and craziness like that um yeah and then they sort of went oh okay and then they narrowed that back so yeah that's that that sort of stuff doesn't happen as much now i don't think so I know you and I, when we were talking in preparation for this show, um, we, we were kind of talking about some of the most popular builds of the of the past. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna rapid fire a bunch of them, and maybe you remember some of them, maybe you don't. Um, some of them, thank Christ, they're not around anymore. But at the same time, some of them have returned in their glory. So what are some of the builds of the past? You had the Warrior Brotherhood. Um, which was a Stormcast one that um, basically just dropped from the sky and caused terror straight into combat. Um, oh, I, remember, I remember, was it um, uh, Chris Welfare and Dr. Death, um, they ran it at the first Masters and they played game five and it was Warrior Brotherhood versus Warrior Brotherhood. No, that was, it was yeah, it was, it, was, it them? was that Vanguard Wing? They played Vanguard Wing. Yeah, okay. So you had Vanguard Wing as well, which was another another Stormcast build. Um, we had Double Scryer, so Storm Fiends just tunneling up the board and just causing absolute terror, not having to be within outside of nine and just throwing all the warp fire in the all world. All the warp fire. Yeah, nine. well, that's what won the first CanCon. <laughs> Double warp, like, yeah, all the warp fire. It taught me how to screen. That was just absolute pop out with Storm Fiends and they just, like, absolutely annihilated. Um the OG Cunning Rock. We had Cunning Rock come out its first iteration. That was my very first, my first game at CanCon, the very first game when um, your ogre, not ogre, your, your orc archers uh, could be box of 30. And I'm pretty sure sixes continued to generate additional attacks. So on a six, you'd roll it, you'd get an extra attack. And if you roll a six again, you just keep generating, generating, generating. Um, I've got to call out, I don't have this in my list, but you know, um, again, Duke has called that Curse of Years. Um, I'll never forget you. I'll let you tell the story. Curse of Years, this spell has been the bane of my existence, uh, but it's allowed me to tell some wonderful stories. Come on, Clint. You, you were the okay. first person to do this to me. So it was at the first Masters, my first turn in the round one. Uh, Arkin decided to cast Curse of Years on your block of 40 um, swordsmen. And this is important because the swordsman, uh, my my free cities or the cities of Sigma version of it back in the day, um, the battalion the rules came from um, a block of swordsmen, and that allowed my handgunners and crossbowmen to shoot when they're charged. Um, and what happens if you were to shoot the crossbowmen? My handgunners could shoot, or you you charge at my uh, my guard, they both could shoot. So they basically all acted as like one unit, which was that was that was my big rule. So you're attacking my swordsman. <laughs> so uh, old school um, Curse of Years would just, you'd roll 10 dice and then any sixes, you'd get to roll again. Um, so any sixes, 
on that first roll were mortal wounds. Then you roll those sixes again, and then you're looking for fives the second time. And then those fives would be mortal wounds. And then you'd roll whatever the fives were again and again and again. And eventually, if you got down to ones, it just went, that unit is gone. Because you're doing an infinite amount of mortal wounds then. And so uh, I did that first round, first turn on your block of 40 swordsmen and just obliterated them. And the look of disbelief on your face was priceless. Um, I still I lost the game, um, but uh, it was great. And then I believe uh, your very next event, it happened again. So the Masters happens in December, then CanCon comes in January, and I play Michael Thompson round one. He's playing Legions of Nagash. I think he was playing Legion of Blood. He had Neferata running around with Arcan the Black. And turn one, round one, Michael Thompson does it to me. Same block of swordsmen, gets that one, deletes the unit. I run up to Clint the tournament. You ran across the event to come tell me. It was a 110-player event that time, and I ran and found Clint. And what poor old Michael Thompson at the time thought he had done something wrong. I think it was his first tournament, and I just run off. Yeah. Uh, he thought he was in trouble, and uh, yeah. we had a good laugh. So curse of years, I'm so happy that it's gone, but it's changed. It's changed, yeah. Um, for death, the, the list was double Mongol. Do you yes. remember that? I do. I read double Mongol. James Mabry and uh, James Mabry's done it to me. Uh, no, no, it was a, no, it was a Chris Welfare James Mabry special where we played doubles and they had two <laughs> goals between them. In my in my first game it was like Empire. It was like a five thousand point game. But yes, I do remember a double Mongol list against somebody. Maybe it was Deke that did it to me. Uh, yeah. and, and Humans Bravery being five uh, was an absolute nightmare, and uh, I couldn't kill this thing uh, if I wanted to. It was really good. Oh, mine had names. Um, <laughs> that was great. Uh, what other? So you you mentioned the cunning ruck before. So um, you had. Um, so obviously we know Hagnar, Daughters of Cain, just came out and just like it's it's still really strong. But I remember how how it just blew our minds at the time. Even going back further than that, you had the the cunning ruck stonehorn combo. Hayden did that to me. Hayden, Hayden yeah, Hayden yeah. I was just about to mention Hayden and Bruce Con. <laughs> And I was so angry at him. I was like, he had like three stone horns and two, uh, one thunder tusk or two thunder tusk and two stone horns and then a cunning it. rock. And it was like, I hate you. I hate yeah, you. Hayden it, was, it was pretty rough. It was a pretty rough, pretty rough list. And uh, it, uh, it, it didn't last super long. I don't think. It, long but, enough to, um, I, for me to fight it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other no, ones that I really had. Good. Other ones that I had written down was the OG Silverdeath, who basically just planted a massive garden across the board and just threw trees everywhere. Yeah, old school Nile those... Root, yeah. Old school Nile Root, just trees everywhere. And like you, you would never, you would, you want to turn one just to move up the board to stop them from summoning trees, just to have some board space. Um, and they yep. put trees and objectives. It was just, ah. And they dictated the game because they were a one drop. Um, battalion and that were the Sylvaneth, and we didn't sort of mention it before. Was when um, you got allegiance abilities and artifacts and things. Sylvaneth were the first book that came out with all this stuff in it, so they were in a really good position for quite some time. They were great army for a long time. And we've seen a couple of books that have evolved the meta and evolved how how armies look today. You know, Sylvaneth was definitely one with the allegiance terrain. They had the uh, the sub allegiance rules like the Nile roots, but they, that was well, they did battalion. that through battalions, yeah. Correct, yeah, they were battalions first. Um, you know, you had things like you know Legions of Nagash who led the way with with summoning. 
you know, we've had, you know, spell laws and like this, all these things that we enjoy today um, were never things at the start. Um, and for a lot of us, we were playing with a bunch of war scrolls or we were using this book that I don't own called Grand Alliance, Grand Alliance Order, Grand Alliance Chaos. And it took us so many years to finally get to battle tomes. You know, ogres and, and, and cities only just got their battle tome for the first time um, last year. Well, um December, I think, is when you when we stopped using when all the books were done because I think Slaves to Darkness were the last ones to who were still using a Grand Alliance book, I yeah. think. Um, so, and there's still stuff that you can use in those books until we and until next weekend when we get the GHB. Sure, sure, but like, but like so. you know, if, I, if I started an army today and I wanted to run a. Uh, an ogre, not a not a uh, a beast claw raider, you know, um, stonehorn build, but rather, you know, your dad bod gut busters. Um, th you, there was no book for them until mm. October, like, only a few months ago. Yes, there were some rules in the general's handbook, but it's taken us almost five years for them to get a book. Much like my cities of Sigma, the first mm. time we've really gotten a book is is five years. So uh, it's a great yeah. time to be a player today. Um, other builds that I had was, um, so I just mentioned the Sylvaneth, Grim, when Grimgast Reapers were in Legions of Nagash, when they very first came out, and uh, every death player just ran these big blocks of 30 Grimgast Reapers, and then for one command point, they'd bring back a 30. And it, and it was tough because, one, they're ethereal, so ignore Rend. Two, most armies didn't have enough mortal wounds to deal with them. And three, they were just being summoned back from one of the multiple grave sites and... Uh, you'd have things like Nagash. We have these supercasters that would just bring these big blocks, and it was just a nightmare. It is it, it upset a lot of people. Mm. And then Grimgas Reapers went up in points, and all the Nighthaunt players got really sad because <laughs> the Legions players had ruined it for them. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty rough. I didn't I didn't ever get to play that. I've never owned that many Grimgas Reapers. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of some other exploitative. Bills because Stormcast had some great ones, you know. They had the Warrior Brotherhood, then they had they had Vanguard Wing, and they had Skyborn Slayers. They had um, the Aether Force, the Aether Strike Force. Yeah, yeah, that was only certain metas had that though. I think was quite interesting. It's just like only certain metas had the um, sorry, only certain meta, meta, uh, metas had the warp fire throwers. You know, over in the UK, it wasn't seen as that strong a list. Over here, it's winning our events. Like, yeah. it just, I think and, that and, was you know, the start of when we went, hmm, maybe Australia has a really weird meta. And when um, I was at Blood and Glory, that was where Fire Slayers really started. Like, I'd never seen a Fire Slayers oh, army until yeah. I went to Blood and Glory. When they adjusted the Fire Slayer points. Oh, they adjusted yeah. the Fire Slayer points. They got to start collecting box. And, and still, we don't see that many Fire Slayers armies today. But you're right, in the, in the different metas, you're right. We had a whole bunch of quirky lists that some people are like, what are the Australians doing? But for some of them, we're like, you guys are, are changing the game. I remember, um, I remember CanCon after they changed the fire slayer points. Um, we had like four Volkite per per berserkers per person as a ratio for CanCon. So there was like four hundred or something that had come to the event. <laughs> it's like across five players. <laughs> that was nasty. Um, I remember the Croaknado, the original Croaknado, which had Lord Croak. Uh, on a bale wind that supercharged this basically he'd teleport in the middle of the board and uh, do this spell that just basically just it was like a massive ripple effect across the board and just did mortal wounds and he was just like you think you think Lord Croak was is bad today under um 
under the, the, the Starborn, uh, he was a nightmare back in the day. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Grizzlegore came out and that kind of caused us all terrors, having them uh, fight first and fight when they die, uh, which which is it's kind of, I wouldn't say balanced now, but it certainly like shook us all up a little bit when that very first came out. Mm-hmm. I remember... Eels. Yeah, well, yeah, eels. Eels obviously, you know, changed things a little bit. Hearthguard Berserkers used to come in blocks of 30, which was just horrible. Um, I remember the first army that really got me thinking strategically about the game was the Murder Host, a corn battalion. Oh, yeah. Where basically they would just charge, the whole army could charge you in turn one if you deployed on your 12-inch line. So I remember, I remember learning very quickly that uh, I don't have to deploy on my deployment line. Um, if I deploy in seven inches from my deployment line, so if I drop back five inches, that was just enough that if, if they got really lucky, because they could run and charge and they got like buffs to their charge range, but that was that just enough that they could never charge me on the first turn. Um, but Murder Host, oh my gosh, um, all the blood letters, all of the... It's just crazy. It's just like 120 blood letters just rushing at you, pinning you in your line. Um, I had forgotten that. I had forgotten the murder host. But, yeah, I think a lot of people learnt that you didn't have to be on the line. Um, and I think Stonehorns taught people that as well. But, yeah, there was that period where people learnt that you didn't have to deploy on the line. I think I think each book has taught us something different. I think as I reflect on the different boards, whether it's you know the way eels come on the side of the board, the way Sylveth interact, the way you spell casting or OBR, and I think that's one of the things as well is that this game has just allowed us to continually learn. And yes, it's frustrating that salamanders can currently drop from the sky and burn and eat your peasants, but we all learn. And now something else is going to come. You know, what is Gargan's going to do? And, we, you know, it does continue the game, and I don't feel like it's stagnating. And as frustrating as it is at times, um, it has kept the game fresh. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's the evolution. And just going back over this, you know, two men reminisce on YouTube about old stuff um, is also the subtitle of this stream, I think. But um, uh, just talking about these and there's some that i'd forgotten that you know people thought that the world had ended and you know still going still going strong i mean i remember playing uh barrack zilfin for the first time and barrack zilfin when it very first came out you set up the like, the army sets up you're like yeah i've counted them really well and they can redeploy at the uh, right at the start you're like oh and then oh, like the I very first introduction of coming down from the sky and just pew, I think, um, and KO were the first, were KO the first um, book that gave us um, sub-factions, temples, skyports, whatever you want to call them, where you got stuff for free and it wasn't in a battalion. I think I so. I believe they were um, because... Right. Um, Previously, you'd had Nile Root or you'd had the Stormcast Chambers, but you bought those as battalions. Yeah. You yeah. paid points for them. And I think Caradron were the first ones where you got that stuff for free. And I think that the effects of that still ripple through the game because you really notice it in books that don't have it. Um, Gits, you know, um, well, things look, like look, that. Seraphon. Seraphon was one of the very first books in Age of Sigma, and they've only just gotten an update. Uh, and look how how different the power levels are. Look, go back six mm. months ago, and no one's talking about Seraphon. They're a fun narrative lols list. Now, 
they are burninating the peasants. They are destroying your your hopes and your dreams. We'll see. We'll see when people start when people start getting stuff on the table properly. I think we'll see what's going to happen. But and, um, and now techless will yeah. come and, and and destroy any of your additional dreams. Um, a couple yeah. of other ones that I had. I, I mentioned the the unmovable teleporting liberators that came from the sky straight into combat, tied up your army, and just made you cry. Zigzagged in your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of zigzagging your vanguard wings, so having a whole bunch of teleporting, you know, stormcasts that would move around the board and just shoot you along the way. Um, your 27 Skyfires, Skyfires is coming around the board, resummoning from your, your, your disc hero. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the Thrice Fall Battalion, when we had three great unclean runs running around, um, just absolutely causing plague wind nightmares and just these three big fat dudes. You just couldn't move. They were just really tough. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, and then obviously we're reminiscing, but like, you know, I, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, what goes around comes around. Your army might not be strong today, but in three months' time, six months' time, 12 months' time, what old becomes new and, you know, legions of Nagash players, one day you will get that updated book and it will be, uh, you guys will be haunting, haunting your opponents again soon. Uh, and much like the Seraphon players, you will be rewarded for your patience. So, um, yep. I'm waiting for the day when our book has sub factions rather than four different allegiances. Yeah, I know. I know. Dick is, you know, super keen for Soul Blight to get some love. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Also, um, I'd also like you to tell the what goes around comes around to my beasts book, which I don't think beastmen have ever been good ever yeah, they, they in did, fantasy they, or in AOS. <laughs> they, they didn't really come around. They didn't really come around the first time. And obviously, there's lots of lots of. Um, of cool builds but and again like the, the the game has continued to evolve i remember the days where you know there was an allegiance called fire bellies and it was just one model yeah I, I don't miss that when it was like when they took the armies and then exploded them into all these sub factions that didn't interact with anybody you know they didn't interact together and um yeah i think the game's in a much better more coherent place now so let me ask you, and again, listeners, you know, feel free to play along, even just with your with yourself. But play along with yourself, not yeah. where you, your mind went to, guys. Um, what was your highlights? What are some of your top highlights from from the last five years? Because it has been a glorious fun. I mean, if it wasn't fun, you and I would not be talking on the internet with a party hat on, you know, um, at whatever time it is in your local community, talking about Warhammer. We would have quit it. We would have moved somewhere else. We would have played a different game. We'd be playing video games. We'd be playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm mean, obviously we can still play Dungeons and Dragons, but like you, you'd be, we'd be playing something that's not Age of Sigma. But here we are, five years later, playing. So, what is one? Of you, what are some of your top highlights? Um, this is not the first time I've been asked this this week. Um, so, I think um, you, I'll come back to your point about it being fun. AOS was so fun. I decided I wanted to talk about it to anyone who would listen and start a podcast. Like, it was the catalyst for me wanting to do that. Um, I, I know I know the answer, by the way. I'm just going to bring it up. Your, your, <laughs> your top that, highlight was playing me. When I came that, up that to That time Toowoomba, you came to Toowoomba. I, I, I was able to convince my work to send me up in the middle of nowhere, sorry, Toowoomba, uh, and we got to play a game, and uh, that was really awesome. And there is with my double colossal squeaks running around for lols. 
But yep, and sorry. my next daughter army, and a little bit of an advertising for where I work there because I was in work shirt. Um, <laughs> What's your second favorite moment Ed, in your last five years? Uh, look, I've got so many. I've got some great moments. I'm just going to put them in no out order, and I might just do them chronologically, and then that way nobody gets offended. Um, so, first CanCon was awesome. Just meeting all those new people, um, and so where we stayed. I'd, I'd met Chris and James at RCGT, um, which had been the November before CanCon, and they decided, like, we sort of decided we'd stay together, we'd bring down a team from Queensland, um, and then they went, oh, we, you know, we've got this friend Dan, um, and that's where I met Dan Brewer, because we all sort of stayed together in one spot. That was cool, meeting everyone, going to dinner and meeting all of the Sydney people who are basically now Clan Filth. Um, I think basic sort of met a bunch of those people and, and making friendships and things like that. And then the following year, it was between Christmas and New Year's of 2017 and CanCon hit 100 players. And I went, wow. Like, it was insane that we had doubled... Um, it doubled the size of the event. Like we knew the community was growing, but we didn't um, didn't have a, a sort of good way to measure it. Um, and but more than doubling this event to you know it got to 104 players in the end. Like that was insane. That was a great moment because I watched it tick over 100 and I went, Jesus! Like what have, what have we done? Like that's really good. Um. Playing in the first Masters was really cool. It's been my first and only Masters that I've ever played in. Uh, now I'm not good enough. Um, I was good once for a brief period, long enough to get there, and that's it. Um, you, just, you just like letting everyone else win while you um, help run the community. Something like that, and I change around too much. I don't play enough. I just noticed um, Gabbers practice. was also in this picture. I was, I'm surprised that Scabbers was here at the Masters. Scabbers, well. Yeah, Scabbers was in the Cup. Uh, for the Masters for quite some time. Um, it's interesting to see uh, some of the faces in that in that picture there that you got up that still dominate um, and others that don't sort of play anymore. It's quite interesting um, the way that the, the scene has changed. Um, so Masters, CanCon. Um, CanCon's always a highlight because it grows every year and we do crazy stuff. I think the the very next CanCon, we went to 196 and we got Rob over to do the commentary. That was really cool because that brought, yep, that, that barbecue was, that was an awesome that, night. Yep. That was that was uh, Luke Stone and I making the barbecue. And there's the first time that the New Zealanders came over. So um, yep. they had like what, 10, 20 people came over, which, again, was a bit of a surprise. Like we'd have people come over from. They would actually travel. Yeah, people would travel from Sydney and 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 Canberra and not Canberra, uh, Victoria and Queensland to come to a tournament. The first time we had a bunch of international guests, so that was pretty cool. So, um, was that the first? That was the first. That was the that was the hundred. Or maybe that was two hundred. No, that was that was the next one. That was the year after. No. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, figure out all the years. There's so many years. Um, getting to travel over to Warhammer Fest, you've prompted me with that photo. 
there meeting um, Vincent Ben and I met loads of people. It was really awesome. Um, then playing in Bobo and um, playing in another event that was as big as Cancun was a bit crazy. And then I got to go and play in New Zealand. I met in the, the right-hand photo there. I got to meet my New Zealand counterpart, Tim, who was one of the people that really spearheaded their community over there. Um, so it was good that we kind of got to meet and chat and things like that. Um, I, it's just, it's been four, five years of meeting lots of awesome people and hanging out and chatting and, you know, every event I meet new people, um, talk to new people and just have a ton of fun. Like, yeah, that's, I'm done on highlights. There's too, there's too many, but it's basically, yeah. I'll, I'll bring up a few and that might give you an, an opportunity to think of any more. Um, and again, you know, I'd love to hear what people in the chat are or, you know, post it in the comment section later what your favourite moments are. But, you know, a couple of ones that come to mind was, you know, I mentioned I got to play on Warhammer TV. Um, I do mention this on the Priority Role podcast that's coming up later on. But, um, you know, I got to play Dan from the Priority Role um, game one on Warhammer TV. Um and this was great for me, one, because an Australian had never won on Wama TV at the time. There was only one, was only one who played uh, at that stage, and that was um, Travis. Travis had brought his Sylvaneth over at South Coast GT. He didn't win that one. But I actually was the first Australian to win on Warhammer TV against Dan's Clan Pestilence. It was an absolute blast of a game. And this was actually the catalyst of why I set up this channel. I was so enthused from my experience being across, you know, meeting the likes of, you know, um, Martin from Warhammer TV, you know, the likes of, you know, Steve Wren and Ben Curry and, and you know, and, and Mark from The Bad Dice or formerly from The Bad Dice that I wanted to start my own little, my little channel. And, you know, this was a, a, a catalyst moment for me. Um, uh, you know, the invitation to the Masters, you know, this was just awesome to be a part of the Masters. Um, from that moment, I, you know, and, and when I started the channel, I wanted to scale back a little bit from the super competitive focus that I was at that stage. And that's why the year after it was awesome to be a part of the, the live stream broadcast of the Australian Masters and, you know, talking to people on the internet. It was just an absolute dream. Um, when I think about, you know, going to events and, you know, just meeting the community, um, you know, this has just been an absolute gem to go around talk to people on the internet, meet people at events and just have an absolute ball playing this game. I think the community for me has just been the driver. Um, I think of things like CanCon and, you know, the last CanCon, um, I've always been a gamer first, um, never been focused on painting and, um, and, and hobby. But, you know, walking away with a trophy at CanCon for Coolest Army and, you know, even when I look at my Gloom Spike Gits, you know, the level of hobby um that i've done I, i'm really proud of and you know even even something simple as playing at warhammer um at nottingham playing at warhammer world um playing with one of my oldest friends um he was the gentleman that drove me up dave um to to play at blood and glory but you know being able to play at mecca um was was truly crazy and you know i think we all probably have stories and i hope we all take this moment in on the fourth the fifth birthday for age of sigma to reflect on your journey reflect on your hobby reflect on the people that you've met reflect on the fact that this game has been awesome for me to meet people digitally and physically um that i never probably would have met if i hadn't started a channel went out to events um 
meet random people. And it kind of reminds me as well, when I go to events, don't just focus on the people that I, I know. Yes, I might see people like, hey, it's been such a long time, but there's all these other cool cats that I haven't met yet that um, I, I would do want to introduce myself or say hello or comment on how cool their army is and start fostering those relationships. For me, that's that's some of my highlights. Um, Clint, anything else you'd want to add? Yeah, well, you sort of touched on it there. Um, like, I, I think it'd be very interesting to see what sort of journey I'd have had had I not decided to start talking about Warhammer on a podcast because, you know, I had some very surreal moments because of that, um, you know, I think the first RCGT I went to, like the first RCGT, which Chris and James came up to, he said at one point, it's really weird hearing you talk because normally I'm listening to you on my headphones, but you're in the room. And that was a bizarre moment. I'll never forget it because it was just odd. And in another um, moment, uh, I was playing in an event and I had my double Mongols and I had them named. I had Rocky and Tesco. Tesco was the one that was eating the horse and English people will sort of get that joke. Um, and somebody came up and said, oh, which one's this? Is this Rocky or Tesco? I'd never met this guy before. I'd obviously talked about the Mongols on the podcast and he came over and he wanted to know which one was which and what I was playing with. And that was a really cool moment because we then started a conversation because he'd been listening to stuff that I'd sort of talked about. And I don't think I'd have had the opportunity to meet as many people or to do as much had I not decided to talk about Warhammer uh, much, you know, um, much to my wife's annoyance. Um, Apparently, I asked if I could have a podcast. She said no. I I, I had a podcast anyway. Um, so, and I've also been on Warhammer TV. I left that out of my highlights. I've had well, a model on Warhammer TV. I've talked on Warhammer TV. I don't. I've never played. Imagine all the three D printing and what my wife's saying about me right now. <laughs> Just yeah, she's uh, an angel when it comes to putting up with my rubbish. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to start a podcast, folks. It's not about being a content creator. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It has about just getting out of your circle and going to meet people and chatting to people, um, getting involved on Twitter, getting involved on Discord, getting involved on Facebook groups. Um, when I very first started, and, and you know, funny you mentioned um, Chris Welfare and James Mabry, they were the very first Sydney people to travel to a different tournament outside of Sydney. And I remember seeing on the Facebook page, and you know, Sydney has a, an awesome Facebook group. And I remember seeing Chris Welfare painting up his models before a taxi rocks up and Chris and James were going up to, to RCGT. And I remember in my mind at that time thinking, how crazy is it that someone's going to travel two hour flight to go play Warhammer? What is this craziness? This is bizarre. But now fast forward five years later and I've traveled to America. I was next week meant to be going to playing at um, uh, Midwest Meltdown. So next week I was meant to be flying to America to play to a tournament. I've played, I've gone to blood and glory in England. Um, I was in September planning to go. I'd bought my ticket to go to fly and play in notorious. Um, hopefully in a month's time from now, I'll be flying to Adelaide uh, playing at, at, at Luke stone, dad hammers, um, Cinderfall gaming district. So yeah. travel now, it's just like, it's absurd how a small seed grows and whether it is you learning a skill, whether it is you uh, building an army, whether it is you getting involved in the community, um, you know, who knows what the next five years are going to look like and taking action is just going to absolutely help you get to where you want to be. And I never would have never thought that when I started my Age of Sigmar journey that I would have created a YouTube video channel. 
and I never would have imagined doing stuff like this. So mm. uh, it's funny how the world world turns. Absolutely. I'll bring, I'll bring it back. I feel like that was a little like violin kind of tear moment maybe, but you know, some of the things that I reflect upon that it's have changed some, some, some big movers in the game, you know, we've had the combat gauge that um, I've still got my metal, my metal $50 combat gauge. That was, you know, a, more of a weapon than it was an accessory. Um, I, I have one, but I don't travel with it because I don't want it to go through x-rays. <laughs> Age of Sigmar app, the app blew our minds with when that was introduced. I remember when points came in for the general's handbook, how much that changed. And even the scenarios, those six scenarios that came out blew, blew our minds that it was no longer about just killing your opponent, that objectives were important. And uh, that changed the game for us. I remember the season of war coming out and that campaign, that global campaign led to the Firestorm campaign, which eventually led to the Cities of Sigma. So, mm. you know, for me, that was important. Um, I'll never forget the video from Phil Kelly and Phil Kelly doing that five to seven minute video explaining the mortal realms. And for me, that's when the penny dropped to see how the different realms came about and what we could do with it. No longer was it high fantasy, it was also low fantasy. And um, and then malign sorcery. And never in Warhammer Fantasy Battles did I ever see spells manifested like I saw with malign sorcery. Yes, you had those mm. little store, uh, uh, magic storms. I remember those little templates, yeah, the little vortex little cup, templates. Right? Yeah, little vortex yeah. templates. And you had like a fallen giant template, but never have we seen spells manifested. So that's just a couple of things that I have seen in my time. And I'm sure if we sat down here properly, there'd be a million things we'd identify. Mm. Yep. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> just James has called out in the chat there. Remember the line, Malign Portons countdown. That count, oh. counted down to nothing because somebody hit the wrong switch. Um, yeah. But that, that Phil Kelly video um, possibly... 18 months too late, uh, but it was still a great video and it gave people something to ground um, their armies in and things like that. So that was really awesome. Be, the, the biggest thing I think is is being part of the growth of the game, not in, not just in terms of community, but in terms of the, the game lore itself. You know, the Firestorm campaign, oh, sorry, the Season of War campaign informed where the game went in a real and tangible way and the lore is evolving in a real and tangible way you know we started with realmgate wars and then that was kind of the story until we got to about disciples of zinch and then the story had jumped ahead a couple of hundred years right because mm. we had cities all of a sudden and we're like cool okay and then it sort of has grown a little bit there and then we have the malign portents and uh second edition which is like um you know, um, move the story forward again, and you know it's it's a living living world that we're in now, and you know there's so much scope to um, so much scope to play with as a player, as a, a narrative gamer for the company to write stuff into. You know, we said before, could you have imagined Leviathans in fantasy? No, because they didn't have a spot in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been, it's, it, it, and that's one thing probably, I, you know, we, we didn't acknowledge in the Warhammer Fantasy days is that battle tomes or army books, I would call army books back in the day, army books could be around for 10 years or more. So you yeah. might you might have multiple editions before you got updated. We won't talk about Bretonia here. but I was still <laughs> waiting. Still like, waiting. Like the last book was fifth edition. But books, books were stagnating. They didn't move very fast. 
the the meta this, this feels like an app where it's constantly evolving over time and it's constantly moving forward which is super exciting and you know um nino in the chat you know made made a funny little comment about when malign portents came out which was a really cool little narrative event that happened before malign sorcery um i had done a little narrative event like a necromancer tapping into um the nightmare game. I don't remember the, the '90s board game called Nightmare. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> the whole VHS games. But like, like there's just been so many cool things. So if you are new to Age of Sigma, I would I would recommend going doing a, a check on your history. Uh, I know people like Vince Venturella and Warhammer Weekly and Doom and Darkness. They did a little combo show, kind of going through the the milestones. I know uh, Paul Conti did another one as well. So you know it, it's worthwhile going back in time and realizing where we've come from. And there's still some really good stuff in the past that you started focusing on the future so i think maybe we should wrap this up and focus maybe a little bit poor poor bretonia i've been it's been pointed out that their last book was updated in 2007 so they're still waiting for i think their their book but we know bretonia is now flesh eater courts i'm sure i've just got a whole bunch of dislikes now um what is in the future what does age of sigma look like in five years time so it's 10 year birthday we're celebrating i have more grays in my beard hopefully it's a little bit longer this time but what does a game look like in five years? Gosh. Um, do you know what? I think it's probably going to look fairly similar. I think I think we might have some cool new armies. Uh, we'll I'll definitely have more greys in my beard. They seem to be appearing by the day. Um, look, I think I think we'll be up to probably fourth edition by then. Um, and but i think overall the game will be fairly similar i think we'll have some cool new models i don't think um games workshop plastics are going anywhere i think they'll keep producing awesome models um we'll be up to stormcast book number 12 uh by then and um who knows what they'll have but i think the game it's it's such a strong foundation and such a good foundation that they really only need to just sort of top and tail it every now and then to make sure that everything gets brought back into line so you know we've got some books that are probably lagging just a little bit now um you know your your pre-aos2 books your nurgle legions daughters and ideneth and even those last two are pretty good anyway but if those books just get sort of smushed back up into aos2 and then we're all together again and then they can release some more you know um but who saw an army full of giants coming? No. Who saw battle cattle coming, really? Like, who went, when they release high elves, you know, high elves, uh, they're going to release giant mountain cows. Who saw that coming, right? So there's so much scope. I think we'll have some awesome models, awesome new models. We'll have some, probably have some models that are around now, still playing with in five years' time. Heck, we're still playing, you know zombies from 1998 um but i think the core of the game i think will be very similar i think it's strong enough that um it'll stay fairly consistent that way and we'll just have a bigger community i think it'll yeah, game will continue to grow it'll be full of awesome people just as it is now it just be I, more I, awesome people i think because the community is going to grow so much like some of the predictions i'm going to make is that we're going to see more variants in the events i think we're going to see more teams events we're going to see more doubles events i think we're going to see more narrative events 
Um, I think, you know, obviously we're on the cusp of the new journal's handbook coming right now when we've seen a hero creator. I think we're only going to see more narrative events and more gaming events and probably find a really nice middle ground where, where, where you know, it is a, it's not completely match play. It's not completely narrative. It's, there's something nice in the middle that allows you to tell a story and customise uh, as much as smash your opponent, win the objectives, claim the prizes. Sorry, I just um, Evie Lockhart in the in the chat just called out Beth Bigwood will be destroying people in games, and that's exactly true. You know, she'll be, gosh, uh, late teens by then, and uh, she'll be destroying people on and off the table because she is full of sass. That girl, she's amazing. I love, I love, <laughs> she's I love She is. She's amazing. She's uh, very cool. And if yeah, you want to see the force to be reckoned with, I'm, I'm very scared of her now. <laughs> Couple of the other predictions that I make uh, is. I've, I'm probably going to create controversy here. I think we're going to see some hot takes, hot takes. Uh, I think we're going to see some armies retired. I think there's going to come a point where the, the, the game is going to become so bloated or there's going to be so many War Scrolls that some of those armies are going to be retired. Uh, and I'm not talking Tomb Kings, I'm not talking Bretonia, but there might be, and maybe it's just parts of the range where Stormcast is like, look, Liberators, Prosecutors, you know, old school Stormcast, you're retired because we've now got a whole, we've got five years of new development into models. Um, now. Ooh, ooh. Uh, See, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I actually think it's the point at some point soon, they're going to go to people who are playing Compendium Armies and Compendium World Scrolls and say, you've had a long enough time now. At some point, they will cut Bretonians and Tomb Kings off. And I think like, that's good. That's probably yeah. That that I will probably they, happen I, in the I, next couple of years. Rotate the range. I think they've got to they've got to rotate the range. Um, mm. Otherwise, uh, part of the problems that we see with you know broken stuff is that it's it's difficult for them to look at all the interactions of the. I remember when Age of Sigmar very first came out. There was like seven hundred war scrolls, and I reckon if you look now, there's probably over a thousand war scrolls. And you oh, look at the interactions know. with with the, the thousand war scrolls, and you see the different. Uh, you know, the way the, um, an artifact will change the game and you start to see some really broken uh, rules not intended. So I think I think as they keep evolving the range and maybe they're retiring some of the old fantasy range, you know, Cities of Sigma, but then that opens up an opportunity to say, what do Cities of Sigma look like in Gur, Akshi? Uh, you know, like, I've already said Akshi. No, Akshi's already there. Um, Ger, uh, Shimon, Ger, Shimon uh, Sh- you know. Shaish, um, like what does it look like in Azir? You know, do we go into um, start forging a, a, a war in the realm of chaos? Um, yeah, I think, we... I, yeah, yeah, I think cities is probably right for it because um, you've got some older ranges there. But, you know, in the next five years, we might have, you know, a, a range that is the armies of Hammerhall and they are, specific sculpts or specific Maybe. you know a specific range that for hammerhall gyra and hammerhall action you know and that kind of thing and so that they can retire the free guild guard range because they are now that's about 13 years old those models i guess and i guess they also like, so you know but that kind of stuff can be yeah i guess i feel like like we're, we're kind of moving towards magic the gathering a little bit when it comes to competitive play and when you look at Magic Gathering's system, they've got a couple of, and you know, people in tournaments have talked about this a lot over time. And you come to a point where 
they will focus on something called moderns, for example, where you know you only the, the only points or the only units you can select is stuff that's been out for the last two, three years, or maybe it's the last couple of editions. Um, and then you've also have like legacy and legends events that will have all of the cards. So you might yeah. see the community get to a point where you have um, uh, you know, a, a, a tournament or an event that only allows you to have stuff that's been released in the last five years. Um, but like, like, do I want that? I don't know, but I, I want people to play with their toys. But I think it's going to come to a point where when, when as we bring out Gargans, when we bring out what the new Dark Elves are going to look like through Malarian, what does um, Tyrion's Elves look like? You know, are we going to get any more Dwarves? Are we going to get any, um, you know, more humans? Are we going to get any more chaos? And when we start tapping into all this stuff, um, there's going to come a point where there's too many models. Um, mm. How do you manage it? And I think... Yeah. Quite possibly. But I think either way, and I don't want to end on a negative note because uh, some people will be like, oh, don't squat my army. And I don't want anyone to squat their armies, but... Uh, I think the the models are being released. We've proven to to Games Workshop because there was a moment in time where Warhammer Fantasy, a world of fantasy Warhammer, was not viable. It was on the cusp of potentially being cut. Um, we've proven to Games Workshop that there is opportunity, um, and this is a model range that should be invested into. And you see it through Underworlds. You see it with the Kurnothi. You start to see it with some of the fun Gloom Spite ones with the Bat Squig and, you know, the the, the Stalagmites. And you start to see um, the Shadow Elves that are have got, got, got mm. uh, sh shown off at on the War internet. On the, on yeah, the on the preview for Warcry. Yeah. That will be yeah. interesting. When you start to see that, it's like, cool, what does an army look like um, in that range? And then what's coming with Warcry and, you know, what does, um, you know, in the law there are things like these goblin, um, the Git mob, who are kind of like these uh, technical, like, you know, almost KO of grots or goblins. So what does that look like? And yeah, just there's just so so much cool stuff that's going to come. So I think it's a great time to be playing, and it's been an awesome time to be a part of the last five years in in the growth of the game and the community. And uh, it's been awesome. Yep. Clint, any final words, or should we blow out the candle? Because I did, I did relight the cake. I did do relight the cake. Well, I've got a shout out, but it's not a uh, it's not yes, AOS please. related, so. It is an important shout-out. So, yeah, please um, bring it okay. home. Yep. So I recently was lucky enough to win a competition run by Emerald Hobbies, who are a CanCon sponsor and uh, an all-round great hobby store here in, here in Australia. They got the uh, limited edition Catachin Colonel. They got a couple of those, and they um, did a prize draw, and I was lucky enough to win them. Now, I don't play 40K, really, let alone Catachins. Um, and so instead of selling this for outrageous amounts of money on eBay, um, I thought what I would do is I would raffle it off. So um, this morning I kicked off a raffle um, for this little guy. Either you can grab him new in box or Travis, my fellow Herald, has volunteered to paint it for you if you want that. So there's options there. Uh, so all the money, it's five bucks a ticket um, over on the Herald's website. Um, that's live now. Uh, it went live just as... One American dollar, five, five yeah, it's like three bucks or something. Um, New Zealand dollars. Yeah. Um, so, and all the funds going from that are going to Autism Awareness Australia. So uh, that's a an important cause to me. My son is autistic and we have lots of friends who have um, 
kids on the autism spectrum and things like that. So it's an important cause to me. And so basically raising some money with this cool model rather than sell it off and you could win. I don't know how many of these there are. There's a couple of thousand in the world, but you could have one for your very own, either new in box like this because you want to paint it up or Travis can apply one of his award-winning paint jobs on it for you as well. And we'll post that anywhere in the world. Worthwhile he calls. So go mm -hmm. check out Heralds of War um, yep. or Clint, Mall Clint Mallet on Twitter. Yeah, I haven't tweeted about it yet, um, but there I will go. after this show. But yeah, heraldsofwar.com forward slash Catachin. It will get you the, to the place to buy the ticket. Very worthy cause. Now, I'm going to try not to burn my house down again and try to actually uh, blow out this candle. Uh, guys, it's been an awesome happy birthday to Age of Sigma. Five glorious years. You know, the game did come out on the 4th of July. We all went in there not knowing what this game was going to be about, but we all committed to a box set. We all bought the rules. We got these funny-looking Stormcast models that we didn't quite know about, and we saw these amazing corn models. And that kicked off uh, an amazing journey, an interesting journey, a fun journey for so many of us. And I hope you um, you take this moment to reflect on the game, the community, your enjoyment. Um, when I when I was going through just some of the sample of these photos, I, I brought back some really cool memories. And uh, I'm very fortunate and appreciative of the relationships. You know, meeting you, meeting Liam meeting all these cool people in America and in England. And, you know, my Discord is just uh, so many wonderful humans in there that I never would have met. So uh, cheers to Age of Sigma. Happy birthday, guys. This has been awesome. Um, I hope in the comment section you leave uh, maybe some of your favourite moments or if you're on Twitter, um, I'd love to see some of your photos. I'd love for you to see you. Please at me or, kind of, you know, post, and I'd love to see what you have achieved, whether it's a, a, a piece of model that you've really proud of, you learned OSL, you tried something new, you know, a, a gaming achievement, uh, whether it's a hobby, uh, whether it's an award or not, I'd love to hear what people have done over the last five years. And um, I, I'm really proud. I'm really happy that we've had this, this discussion. Yep. We have an awesome community. It's great to see everyone in the comments or everyone that will comment later. Um, everyone that's taking part in the hobby in, in their own way. It's really awesome. And uh, from nothing five years ago, essentially, to what we have now, it's... From the ashes. From the ashes. <laughs> from the ashes, quite literally, uh, for some people. But, um, yeah, it's awesome. And if you've enjoyed this, I, I, I would highly recommend you go and, and check out some of the other, other creators who are, who are doing their five-year reviews. So um, the, the, the Neo Network or the, the Narrative Event Organisers have been putting out a schedule. Uh, I know Mr. Mephisto, uh, Vince Venturella. Um, there are so many cool people both in podcast form and on, on YouTube and Twitch who have done their own retrospective in some form or another. So if you've enjoyed this, again, one, post some stuff in the chat. Tell me you like it. Send me some photos. I'd love to see what you're doing. If you want to continue the conversation, jump on the Discord. The link is below. I'd love, again, keep the conversation going. It's been an awesome five years. And uh, Clint, thank you for helping kicking off the community. You have been a true Warhammer hero. Uh, we all love and appreciate you. And, um, guys, have a great Age of Sigmar birthday. See ya. G'day. I hope you enjoyed that video and you're left with some new ideas. One of the biggest ways you can contribute to AOS Coach is by liking the video you just watched and leaving a comment in the comment section. This lets YouTube know this is a good video and it should recommend it to other hobbyists. 
If you'd also like to support the channel even further like these bloody legends, go check out AOS Coach on Patreon. Otherwise, don't forget your triumph.